Okay, Dad, I know you are jamming out, but we're going to start the podcast soon. Do you mind turning off? What are we listening to? ZZ Top? <laughs> no. It's a... Uh, what is it? Mountain Song. Yeah, by ZZ Top. <laughs> okay, bye. Come on, man. Hi friends, my name is Bianca Wattis Oltoff and I am host of We're Going There. Uh, we have a special bonus episode of We're Going There this weekend, but I want to open up and say aloha ohana. Yes, because I'm coming to you from a family vacation in Oahu. So if you hear a bird chirping in the background, I'm literally recording this on the floor of my hotel room because the audio that I had recorded last week and set everything ready for producer Madi to take over didn't get uploaded. So if you hear birds chirping in the background. Um, I'm not trying to create a false sense of uh, aloha spirit. No, there's a beautiful yet annoying bird outside of my window that decided to chirp now as I'm recording this podcast. Either way, there's a lot to be celebrating. This week, um, we get to celebrate our first family vacation in about two and a half years. It has been a very crazy season for us. And so we were able to get away with the family just for a couple days and celebrate. But again, lots to celebrate because this weekend, is Father's Day. And since Matt and I serve at the Father's House on Sunday, we decided to steal away a few days early and get to celebrate him as the good dad that he is. And while others are celebrating what a great dad that they have, I know that there's people listening right now and you might feel conflicted. In fact, you might feel tempted to turn this off because you don't want to talk about dads. You don't want to talk about Father's Day. You don't want to talk about any of that stuff. And you might be feeling lonely or hurt, maybe even feeling some resentment for the relationship you have or don't have with your father. Your father may no longer be around, or maybe you've never had a father in your life. So the term and celebration and expression, happy Father's Day, it doesn't feel like that that much. In fact, two weeks ago, podcast listener Rachel sent this to me. She's when your dad is an absent father who worked through most of your childhood, Father's Day is just really hard. While I'm thankful for my dad and what he provided for our family, we didn't communicate much. When we did, it was usually when I was getting in trouble. I felt sad and angry that I didn't have what my friends had. As the years passed, my resentment grew. I let the lack of my relationship really define who I was. And the lack of the relationship that I had with my father really messed me up. I built a wall of hostility in my mind that I just couldn't get over. I didn't let people get to know me because I was afraid of even more rejection. Now, even married, as a young woman, my husband had to do extra work just for me to earn his trust. One thing I've learned in this whole journey is that my model for fatherhood was marred by my broken relationship with my dad, and it impacted my relationship with God. Friends, I have heard so many people say that their relationship with their dad has skewed their understanding and relationship with God. Now, this really important note from Raquel had me thinking as we head into this weekend, especially if you're from North America, because this weekend is Father's Day. And the concept of father is super important. Fathers are a big deal. In fact, the word father is used in the Bible over a thousand times. Because of Jesus, God calls himself God, our father, and we get to be his sons and his daughters the King of Kings, the Lord of the world, the creator of the universe, the savior of our souls is our dad. And God is the perfect father. He never leaves us. He heals our broken hearts and he provides for us. He knows everything about us and loves us completely. He listens anytime that we talk to him and y'all, I have been known to talk. That's just who he is. God is love and hope and grace all wrapped in, into one. And he's a good, good father. When you cast your cares on Jesus, that's when you can make progress towards restoration and healing of all relationships. 
Before we dive into this week's podcast, if Father's Day is hard for you, I just want to give you a couple points to maybe see it differently. I'm not trying to put a band-aid over a bullet wound, but I want us to have an honest conversation because the show is entitled, We're Going There. So let's do just that. You might have had a jacked up relationship with your father. You might have been abused or abandoned, and I'm not removing any pain from that because that is real pain, friend. But I don't want you to stay there. I want us to feel it, but I also want us to have some tools to pull us out of some of the emotional pits that we find ourselves in. So here's a couple things. And because I'm a preacher at heart, I've put it into three because preachers love preaching three points. I don't know. Pick it up with seminary. But if you want some practical handles on how to pull yourself out of pit, the first thing that I really want to encourage you to do is pray. I know it feels cliche. It feels like a throwaway, but listen to me. You have a father where you can honestly share what's on your heart and what's on your mind. God cares for you and he loves you. And I know this concept might feel really hard and really far away, but I'm going to keep on yapping in your ear until maybe, just maybe, there's a crack of light that makes your heart actually believe it. And as you begin to talk out your feelings and your thoughts, God, your father, can actually change the way you think. He can fill you with his love so that you can begin to love others. Maybe, quite possibly, your absent or abusive father. Number two, accept God's love that he has for you. This is easy in concept, but hard in practice. But allow God, the Father, to comfort you and to heal you. Focus on what you have from him, not what you don't have from your dad. If you are a word nerd and a Bible lover at heart, I'm going to encourage you to check out John 14, 18 or Psalm 10, 17 through 18. And lastly, if you're taking note, is borrow my dad. I know that concept might feel foreign or feel hard, but I am one of five children. I have four siblings and we always vied to be our dad's favorite. One thing I learned growing up is that no matter how much I love my siblings, I always had to share my dad. And that taught me a very good lesson at a young age. I had to learn at a young age that my dad was not just mine. And no, I'm not just talking about my family, but my dad was not mine because I shared him with the church that he pastored. And my dad didn't just pastor people. My dad fathered thousands, thousands that walked into his church, broken and hurting with jacked up relationships with their own father really looking at my dad to father them. At first, I was kind of annoyed. At first, I kind of felt like, oh, I have to share him. This is so sad. And I began to realize like, gosh, this is a little bit selfish. Then I began to see the positive effect that my dad had in the lives of so many people and so many people who found freedom because they got to experience God the Father with a new mindset model because they saw my dad. And so in this episode, I'm going to introduce you to my dad because on days that might feel really hard, on days that you feel like you don't have a dad, I want to share my dad with you. No, my dad is not perfect. He's far from it. But my God, he's a good man and a really good father. I want to introduce him to you on this podcast. And my hope is that if this weekend feels hard for you, you've got a dad and our heavenly father, but you have an earthly father by the name of Pancho Juarez, who loves people extravagantly, who forgives people deeply, and shows people the potential that resides deep within them. And I know this not because he's preached about it or written about it or spoken about it. I know this about my dad because I've watched it. I'm so grateful to have been in his family. I'm so honored that God would bestow me to be in my dad's life. My life has forever been changed because of this man. And I am so grateful to introduce him to you today. In addition to that, interspersed in this interview, I will share stories from my siblings who I asked to record messages for my dad so that you can get a scope of my dad, not just from my perspective, but from theirs. 
I hope that our conversation encourages you, reinvigorates you, and maybe reestablishes that our Heavenly Father is a good, good father. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm so grateful that you're here. Dad, I want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is the first time that you've been on the podcast and I'm honored. I'm honored that I get to sit here on your couch with you and have a conversation. I mentioned you a number of times in the podcast, but no one's ever had a chance to meet you. And so I want to be the first one to welcome you to We're Going There. Wow. Thank you so much. I'm privileged and I'm honored. Thank you so much. I thought you forgot about me, but cool. (laughs) So let's just let all the listeners know, and then I need you to be honest. Who is your favorite child? Listen, between you and I and your seven listeners, it is, (laughs) don't, don't, don't don't say this to anybody, but it's obviously it's Bianca. Of course. Your shade, you guys sarcasm and jokes run in my family. I get my sense of humor and like mean strength from my father, clearly. So thank you to the more than seven listeners that listen to this podcast. Hey, but this is a special episode because I really wanted to talk about fatherhood on this special holiday coming up with Father's Day on the horizon because I know it's a tender holiday for so many people. So many people feel like they, uh, they maybe it, clearly they have a dad, but maybe it is a dysfunctional relationship with dad, an abusive relationship, a non-existent relationship. And I know that you'll be able to resonate with that. I, I can't. I've had an amazing dad, an amazing relationship with my dad my whole life, but I know that's not your story. So for someone out there who's maybe going through this holiday and feels like it's a tender holiday, your life lends itself with not just sympathy, but empathy. Talk to me a little bit about your journey growing up without a dad and what this holiday means for you. Well, I I think you and your siblings are the recipients of what I never had. I always uh, aspired that if I ever had children, of course, (laughs) this is a very serious moment, a very serious moment. (laughs) Come on. Forgive me. Did you guys notice the song on my dad's ringtone? Yeah, it's this 80s song called Take On Me. I have to pause for a second because when I asked my siblings to send in a special memory or something they loved about my dad, Zoe shared this exact song. Let me give you some context and let her share her words to my dad as she references this song, Take On Me. Okay, this is a good one. So one of my favorite memories with my dad was in Piccadilly Circus in London town. And there was a man playing Take On Me, an 80s song on his guitar. And me and my dad are watching him. And my dad goes, go out there, man. Go dance. Come on. Go dance. Come on. Come on. And I was like, dad, there's nobody dancing. I'm not just going to go and dance. And then before you know it, I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go out there and have a dance. So lo and behold, I start the dance party. One person joins in. Another person joins in. My dad joins in. And there's a whole dance party going on in Piccadilly Circus. And to this day, that Take On Me song has a very special place in my heart. And man, I just love my dad because no matter how busy, no matter how stressed, he will still take the time to talk, to listen, to pour in. And most importantly... He still allows me (laughs) to cuddle and to crawl into bed at 27 years old and to this day. That will always, always, always make me so happy. So I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. 
Uh, again, going back and with all seriousness, uh, all your siblings are recipients of what I've never had. I grew up without a father. I grew up without being nurtured. I never knew what a daddy, a pop, uh, a papa was. And so I always made a, a promise to myself that if I ever had children, and of course, when I got married to your mother, we only wanted two children, but that's another story. But all my children, I, I gave to them what I always yearned as a child. So you are the recipient of what I've never had, and that is nurturing, uh, care, attentiveness, and I gave—I believe I gave 110% of my life to you guys. Looking back, I, I think I could have done something much more, much better. But I'm very proud that um, what I given to you guys. I think that that was the that was the dysfunction there on my part in not having a father. So with not having a father, and you've been very open. I remember growing up, and you were like. I, I never had a dad. I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to give you 110%. You've always said that. Well, actually, since this is um, an honest podcast and the title is We're Going There, we will go there. There's a military term that you told us about. And growing up, I never thought it was weird. But then I was talking to my friends in college about some of the things that you'd say, and they thought it was bananas. But you are a product of the United States Marine Corps. Who Ross, simplify. And you would say, I love you guys so much. I'd give my left nut for you. Oh, my. <laughs> My B, 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 please forgive us. This is, this is, this is, uh, it's just jarhead talk, and I apologize. All my children, uh, sadly, lamentably, I already apologize before the tribunal of God, and I ask for forgiveness. But all my life, I never knew that I would be a pastor one day. So uh, I brought up my children squared away, and I, I, I share some terms, military, Marine Corps terms. <laughs> And, and, and you're right, B. This is one of them. It, it's just the way you put it, it sounds so ugly. Okay, but it's the truth, and I know that you would. So I, I don't think anyone's going to get offended. I think that my listeners are as Christian and carnal as I am, so we appreciate that. But, Daddy, but I being raised by you, and I won't repeat that phrase. That's a family phrase. But I, but I know that that's true about you, that you would literally stop anything and give up everything for me and all my siblings. But who taught you that? You didn't have a daddy. You didn't have a dad. Maybe give a little bit of your history. Uh, did you know your father? Uh, what age did you realize that the relationship had been severed? And then who is your paradigm for parenting? Who led you in fathering? Well, I have very blurry image of my father. and uh, But I do know that he was an alcoholic, a womanizer, and he was a wife beater. That I do know. He abandoned the family, and uh, it, it affected me to a certain point. But going back to your second question, what is my paradigm? Uh, what's my example? To be brutally honest with you, I think it, it, it all came about when I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and my heart was changed. My mind was revolutionized. I was tenderized. I felt, uh, as you know, Mama... Mama was led to the Lord through a personal crisis, and that crisis affected me uh, on the decision that your mother made. It affected me so much so that when I realized that I became a father and the Lord had granted me with two instead of two children, as, as you are part of, the, of the, the other half, I'm just trying to be a little diplomatic, but we lost the baby on our own stupidity. And by the grace of God, after we did things right, your mother got pregnant, and instead of having one, 
she had two. And we thought that was a wonderful sign from God that grace has been shed upon me. And so the transformation, the revolutionary mind uh, through Christ, I wanted to be all I could be in every characteristic of a caring father. And I still have that even today. Hey friends, I'm interrupting the podcast with a quick update. So many times people ask me like, hey, how do I start to read the Bible? Or what Bible translations do you like? Or what's a fun way that I can stay up with my daily devotions? If you've ever asked those questions, let me tell you about a new app called Dwell. Their mission was inspired by the psalmist who tells us in Psalm 119 to hide the word of God in our hearts. Dwell has built the most beautiful listening and reading experiences for scriptures. They have over a dozen recordings of the Bible, and they've handpicked voices that will engage and inspire you as you read along. And they have the best versions of the Bible. Whatever your flavor is, whether it's ESV, NIV, you want to kick it old school with KJV, NLT, or The Message, I believe one of the coolest things about Dwell is their read-along experience. If you've ever seen Apple Music's lyrics feature, then that's exactly what you can expect from read-along at Dwell. Gorgeous backgrounds, big bold text that scrolls as the narrative reads to you, and so much more. I'm telling you, if you're looking for a Bible app plan, this might be the one for you. You're going to love it. Go to dwellapp.io backslash we're going there. I'll say it again, dwellapp.io backslash we're going there to get 10% off your yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. So I think one of the things that makes it so fun is like, yes, we can talk about the spiritual components and all this other stuff, but I want to make sure that people know that it's not just, I read my Bible and became a dad. One of my favorite memories growing up was when we were living in the apartments, the Badillo apartments. And mom had, I don't know what she had in the living room. I was five years old around this time. She was having something in the apartment and there was like ladies there. And so you took Jazzy and I, and we sat outside on this makeshift little table. And there was this plastic tea set. Do you remember that tea set? A little, a teacup? It was a tea set and you set out a tea party for me and Jasmine. Oh, yes, there was yes. no, there was no dessert, real desserts. There was no real tea, but you sat there and er, never forgot that you sipped your tea with your pinky out and you were sipping it like this, but there was nothing in the cup. One of my favorite memories was that moment. Do you remember that tea party? I sure do. Actually, there were several tea parties. That was just one of them, but there were several. There was more than one. So I want to know what was, what has been, I know that there's a lot of great memories. I mean, there's a lot of tore up, jacked up memories in parenting as well. This episode will not be revolving around some of the child abuse that we endured as children, <laughs> AKA spankings. But what are some of the amazing memories that you have, not just parenting me or being a father to me, but what are some of your favorite memories in parenting me and or my siblings? But Bibi, um, there are, there are a plethora of memories I can die right now, and I can. I, I have so many memories. I mean, literally, lots of memories that I have. I remember out vivid memories, but they're all they're all funny and humorous. When I changed uh, when I changed Zoe's diaper, and it was peanut butter, and you you guys didn't know that, and I shocked you. Anyway, remember that. Okay, there needs to be, we need to give some context. Don't be embarrassed. So, so at this time, my parents were on, it was, it was like financially strapped and my dad hated wasting diapers. My younger sister, Zoe, she hated diapers. So it would be a clean diaper and she would 
undo the diaper and it would fall off and the diaper would be wasted. My dad would get so irritated that my dad went to the refrigerator. He was going to play a joke. My dad is a jokester. He acts like very pastoral on Sundays. And, but let me tell you something. There is no... At home. At home. There is... And Sundays, he's, he's pastoral. But at home, behind closed doors, this guy is a joker and he throws so much shade. If you ever have a sense of confidence that needs to be knocked down, my dad will, will use humor to put you in your place. That's for sure. So going back to Zoe's diaper, she pulled off her diaper and it was still clean and you didn't want to waste it. So then you went to the refrigerator, pulled out some peanut butter, put peanut butter in the diaper and then called Jazzy and I over. You're like, girls, girls. And so we ran over and we were like, yes, daddy, what do you want? No, and it wasn't Zoe. It was Alexandria. It's Alexandria. So that's my middle sister. And we were like, daddy, what's wrong? And you open up the diaper. You're like, come smell this. And we're like, ew, daddy, no. And then what did you do? Well, I freaked you guys out. You guys didn't want to get close to it. I said, look. And then you look at me, and then I got something with my finger, and I pretended that I was smelling it, and, and you guys were aghast. And all of a sudden, I inserted my finger in my mouth, and I started eating the peanut butter, and you guys went crazy, crazy. Here I'm thinking that my dad's a poop eater. We're screaming. We're crying for my mom. I, I think Jasmine was calling my mom. I was crying. thinking my dad's eating poop. And then my dad falls out laughing, like absolutely laughing. Dad, do you remember that joke we had, It which kind of drove you crazy? We had very long hair growing up and we would always use a brush. Now, when you had hair, you used a brush, but it would frustrate you because we would never clean out the brush. And so you pulled the hair out of the hairbrush and then you put it in your armpit. Do you remember doing that? Yes. Yes. I, I, yeah, I remember that. Now, I'm trying to, I'm laughing because I'm thinking, what, what kind of person would do that? <laughs> but then tell us, what did you decide to do with this hairball? Well, you know, I, I have this, this aversion to brushes. They have so much hair. I think out of frustration, I just, I cut all the hair, took some scissors and took all that, that hair that was around the brush and I took it all out. And, and then since I used to ask you when you guys were little girls, please scratch daddy's back. And then you guys will scratch even my underarm. So, so I know, I know. So one day I had all that hair and I put her on my left, on my, on my left underpit and you went to the right underpit and you guys scratched it. Both of you were scratching it. And then I opened to the left and you got, you, without you guys seeing it, you felt something and all the hair was coming out. <laughs> And again, you guys just freaked out. And I think that's why... Uh I think that's why we're traumatized still to this day. Yes. And in the midst of all of this, speaking of scissors, do you want to talk about the time that you decided to cut Alexandria's bangs with nose clipper scissors? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? I, I, I told you I have, I, I have them. Now, Zoe, Alex, Alexandria wanted a haircut. She said she, her bangs were getting in her eyes. So, so I said, she said, can you cut my hair, Dad? For the life of me, I couldn't find any scissors. So there, there's some curvature scissors. I think they're surgical scissors. They were curved. They're curved. I mean, like really curved. I don't know what they were designed for, but I thought that I can cut Alex's hair in a straight line with curvature scissors. <laughs> And I did a horrible job, but Alex loved it. She said, oh, it's different. And so she says, do the back too. So I started doing her back and I think I, I can go to jail for child abuse now. <laughs> 
since we're talking about my little sister Alexandria and her oh-so-famous, infamously disgusting haircut, why don't I introduce you to my sister Alexandria as she shares some of her favorite memories with my dad. Hi, Sweepy. I love and appreciate you so much. Thank you for being here, and thank you for bringing me to this planet. I never take that for granted. So one of my favorite memories with you is when you were leading a group in Israel and we were in Jerusalem and one of the days you weren't feeling well. So we slipped away from the group and we stayed behind, but you still didn't want to waste the day. So we went to the Rockefeller Museum and we walked around and saw all these old archaeological um, items, which I, that's my love language is museums and archaeology. You know this. And it was right across the street from the Damascus Gates. And after we were done, we walked through the Muslim quarter and we found a cafe where we sat and just watched and listened to the hustle and bustle of this foreign land that I had never really experienced and appreciated it um, before. We sat there and we drank tea and we ate peanuts and the owner of the shop spoke English and Hebrew and Arabic and French and the afternoon prayers were going on and people were selling fruit and vegetables in the street and just those sounds were so ingrained in my heart and I love it and I love that I got to experience it with just you without my siblings or anything I had time with my dad to just appreciate this and I would have never experienced it if it wasn't for you. I'm so thankful for the father and the husband and leader you are. You're not perfect, but you are the closest version to Jesus that I've ever seen on this planet. You're kind to every person, poor or rich, any color, any creed. You're kind and you show love first. And I so appreciate that. I'm so thankful for the dad that you are and the grandfather you are to Sage. I never take that for granted. I love you so much. Happy Father's Day. But but uh, those are memories. Those are wonderful memories. So besides all the weird antics of our family, and if people didn't think that we came from a weird family before, I think after this podcast, they might think that we're an interesting family. But I also think that there have been some beautiful moments where you fathered us and you pastored us and you loved us in a way that made us who we are today. And one of the things that you would always do is Jazzy and I struggled reading. Actually, all of my siblings, we struggled reading. And you were so dedicated to reading to us every single night. And at the end of reading to us, you prayed over us. Where where did this come from? I think I'm still confused. Like parenting might feel a little bit intrinsic, but I think it's something that's learned and something absorbed and something it's taught. So where did this come from? As you know, my story, I'm an immigrant, so my English was not my mother tongue. English became my mother tongue at the age of 22 years old. When I became a Christian, my English was not as as profound. Uh, my reading comprehensiveness was was very poor. So one day I just prayed, Lord, if you teach me teach me how to read well, you know, I'll serve you. And well, then obviously for the Lord it was nothing. So I cut this wonderful fervor to read and read as much as possible. So when you guys came along. And, and you guys were, were able to walk. We would walk to the library and borrow books, and I would read all kinds of books to you. And I, I emphasize reading. But the reading was more for me, as much more than it was for you in the beginning. It was just for me to read. 
but you found it captivating and you you guys were enthralled to you couldn't wait to be reading and so it was fun for me and i did that for all our five children uh, but more so with you and, and jasmine i just love reading uh, especially reader's digest for you guys Every story in Reader's Digest, I would for you. Even the military uh, humor, you guys didn't get it, but it was funny. I think one of the things that I still picked up from you today is when I teach or preach or I'm communicating or talking to staff, in literally every single time, at least once a week, someone's like, I've never even heard that word that you just used. And so there's this running joke with two people on staff at church that they'll sit in sermons on Sunday and there's at least one word where they have no clue they've never heard. And I thought it was normal. Like, like sim I thought they were simple words, but then I go back and I trace it, my finger through the history of my life. And I remember reading Reader's Digest with you and novels. And every time that we came to a, a word that we didn't know, you would circle it, write it in the back of a book, and then go to a dictionary and write out the definition. I still do that to this day. And my inordinate love for words and expanding my vocabulary comes from you. I think that's one of the greatest gifts that you've given all of your children. Now, scripture speaks a lot about parenting and scripture speaks a lot about fatherhood. You mentioned that when you became a Christian, so much of that was formed and forged through becoming a Christian and reading God's word. So what were some of those learning lessons that you picked up and that you applied to your parenting. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Humans aren't meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join millions of people who are seeing what therapy really is about. See if it's for you, because you're your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're going there. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash WGT. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash W-G-T. And the, the exhortation, uh, fathers, does not provoke your children to wrath, but bring him to the admonition of the Lord. That was a mandate that I took very seriously. Uh, there's nothing more frustrating than to frustrate your own children with expectations that really are not just uh, their, their expectations that are not real. And I've learned to, as much as possible, respect, apologize to you. Uh, I've, never, I've never heard of a parent apologizing, but I remember apologizing to all of you whenever I was wrong or whenever I said something wrong. I tried to, wanted to treat you with respect, and all that came from me reading scriptures from, from the poetical books, from Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, to the exhortation of Paul the Apostle speaking to fathers. And uh, there's no specific uh, scripture that says how to be a father, but God has given you this, this love. It's called agape love. It's unconditional love. And this unconditional love is not relegated and mandated only to marriage or any, any, any other relationship, but all relationships, but much more uh, your children. 
to nurture them, to take care of them, provide for them, not only physically, not only emotionally, but psychologically and spiritually. And I believe that in my own ways, by the conviction of God, I try to treat you as, as, as gentle, as uh, accommodating as possible. And I did it with intentionality, and I did it with God's help. And it's, it's to this day, even though uh, all of you are adults, I still love you with the same immensity that I had when you guys were little. Since my dad is referencing a time when we were little, I'm going to introduce you to my sister, Jasmine Starr, as she shares one of her favorite memories with my dad when we were young and we got to witness a wonderful story, turnaround story, Cinderella story that is quintessentially my dad. A couple of days ago, I was talking to my dad and I was like, dad, they just need to let me into the tennis tournament and then, then I'll win the engraved Bible. And my dad looked at me puzzled. And he says, wait, what? I was like, dad, I'm referring to the tennis tournament as like an analogy. And yet even then he was still confused. And I was like, no, dad, the tennis tournament that you won. And then the light bulb went off. So let me start at the beginning. My dad worked a full-time job at Los Angeles County Hospital. He also worked jobs as being a line cook. He cleaned septic tanks. He cut trees. He did a lot of things. But throughout those years, he also volunteered at church. He was a very active participant, volunteering everywhere from children's ministry to parking ministry to the Mexico ministry. And so he became an integral part of the church. Well, this church was having a tennis tournament for staff only. So the head pastor, the associate pastors, it was kind of like in the church structure, the leaders. It was a leadership tennis tournament, but they needed one more person to join the tournament to complete it. And they didn't want to put it out to everybody because then they get hundreds of people to sign up. And so the guys were like, "Mm, let's, let's ask Pancho. You had to pay to join the tennis tournament. And money was so tight for our family, like so tight that every month we're trying to make ends meet. So the invitation comes to my dad. And let me just say, like, my dad has enjoyed tennis, but nobody would look at him and be like, oh, that's the Roger Federer, you know, like, (laughs) or like, because he's Mexican, it'd be like Rogelio Federer. (laughs) So anyway, nobody's looking at him as like the tennis champ. They look at him as an easy way to fill out the brackets and get paid. So my mom and dad discuss it. My dad pays a small fee to be a part of this tournament. On the day of the tournament, I'll never forget, my dad shows up in white shorts and a white polo shirt. Like when I think about it, I laugh because it's like, like who wears that? Like my dad looked in his, in his closet and was like, what is the most tennis outfit? And he comes up with white small shorts and a white polo shirt. So my dad also doesn't have a racket. Well, he ended up buying a racket at a thrift store and the racket was likely, it was, it was, it was creamy yellow. And it was even as a child, I looked at it and realized it was really, really old, that it was probably older than my dad. 
but it was a racket. So we walk into this tennis courts in West Covina, California, and all of the pastors are bringing out their thin rackets that are light, light enough to flip. If you tried like flipping my dad's racket, it would fall like a piece of concrete on the clay court. So we walk in and when I say we, I should probably also mention that myself and my twin sister, Bianca, went to the tournament with my dad. None of the other people brought their kids, but my dad was like, I'm taking my girls. We, <laughs> we real deep. Like basically he raised a family to be a small little gang and gangsters rule together. So we get to the tennis courts and unexpectedly my dad is put into a bracket and then people were really impressed because his two twin daughters, we were fielding all the balls. So it was nice because my dad basically walked, like brought a workforce with him and unexpectedly my dad won the first match. And then unexpectedly he won the second match and guess what third match he won that too he ended up getting to the final match nobody expected Baisa Pancho to get to the finals he wore the wrong shoes he wore the wrong outfit he had a racket that was about as heavy as a dumbbell and yet he was winning And there, my sister and I were trying to be quiet, and yet we were so excited, crouched by the net, running and retrieving balls. And his opponent was getting increasingly more and more annoyed. He went as far as asking my dad to remove his watch because the face of my dad's, like, senio watch was reflective, apparently. So my dad kindly takes off the watch, calls me over, I grab the watch, and my dad ends up winning the tournament. Now you might think, you might think he like won money. No, no, (laughs) it was a church tournament. He won a Bible, okay? (laughs) So my dad won a Bible, but what they did was engrave his name on the front of the leather cover. Pancho Juarez. It remains one of his most treasured Bibles. I should probably say Bibles as in multiple because I'm pretty sure my dad has 87 Bibles. Bianca is like right behind him. She's already has a collection of 18. She's trying to catch up. But I feel like the tennis tournament is one of my favorite memories because it acts as symbolism for just the chance. I really wanted to be invited into a cohort of business owners and I didn't qualify. I'm Latina, I'm brown, I'm younger than most of the people in there. The other people have very successful businesses with very large teams. I am for all intents and purposes, underqualified, underfunded, underconnected. And as I was talking to my dad about how desperately I wanted to be a part of this organization and get access to this education, I looked to my dad and I said, dad, if they just let me in the tennis tournament, I could win the engraved Bible. This remains one of my favorite memories of my dad because unknowingly he showed me that just given the small chance, even if people don't expect much from you, 
that God has the ability to put you where you're supposed to be. So for someone out there that is really kind of feeling like blue, bummed, overwhelmed, that this this holiday, Father's Day is coming up, I've always said that you've got such a big heart. And I learned at a young age when you started your church back in the 90s, I learned that I had to share you. And at first, I think it was hard that I had to share you with so many other people. But I realized that so many people looked at you like a dad and like a spiritual father. And then I realized that you have so much love to give that it didn't mean less love for me. It meant that my dad was capable of so much love for others. So for those that are kind of wrestling through this holiday and feel maybe like their dad isn't here, what do you, what do you tell them? What can you tell them? I've seen you love and pastor and parent and father so many people, thousands of people from your church. What do you say to people that just feel a little fatherless in this season? I remind them that that we have a heavenly father, a father that treats us like like children. And there are those people who this year, because of COVID-19, uh, they have lost uh, uh, some fathers. So Father's Day, it's a very uh, ambivalent day for many people because they, re- they remind themselves of their absence of their fathers, or there are those who had fathers, but they were never fathers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like me, I didn't have a father. I didn't have a physical father, but but there were others who had a physical father, but they were absent fathers, and, and so uh, I remind them that God will always use uh, whatever experience they had, good or bad, that God would use that experience for the better, and to look to God, and to look for God's comfort, God peace, because if you dwell too much in the past. It, it'll paralyze your presence, and, and, and it will dwarf the tomorrows. So uh, celebrate God and look to God for comfort, for he is the God of comfort, and he is our Heavenly Father. I think that nobody else has taught me about the gift of goodbye like you. I think that one of your greatest assets as a dad is letting your children know about their value and their worth. And so I remember it was, oh gosh, this was about 15 years ago, devastating heartbreak. I think more than 15 years ago now, good grief. It was like my first real heartbreak. And I remember crying uh, after a breakup and you were like, what are you doing? He doesn't deserve you. And there was something about you saying that that felt so affirming. I think the rejection from one man, but the reminder from another man about my worth and my value was so healing. And so I, I, I t- I'm talking to a lot of girls, especially, uh, who maybe have like daddy issues and that sort of stuff. So for those that are feel like, hey, I wish that like my dad would have told me X. I wish that my dad would have told me Y. I wish that I would have learned Z from my dad. Any person out there that's wrestling with their value and their worth what from your fatherly and pastoral perspective what do you want to tell them oh my goodness listen you're valuable you're worth you have such a beauty god created you in that beauty and for you to be depreciated by anyone and that anyone should not deserve you Uh, there's someone there's someone out there that god has for you check your self-worth. You have value when you cheapen yourself. So you make choices that are not healthy. And so look at your value, look at your worth and value it and make an assessment. 
Dad, I just want to publicly state that your perseverance as an immigrant to this country, as raised by a single mom in a single parent household, and she worked all the time. So you basically parented and raised yourself. You decided to go back to junior college as a husband and a dad just to get a degree. You went to Bible school. You've been so scrappy your whole life, and yet you've never given up. And I think that your faithfulness, your fortitude, your commitment has not just shaped me, but shaped so many people who know you and have studied under you and have worked for you and alongside with you. So on this Father's Day, I just want to tell you that I I love you. I affirm you. I honor you. You are a dad of dads. And for those that feel like they don't have a dad in this season, I just want to share my dad with them. But I love you. You're an amazing dad. I honor you this upcoming Father's Day holiday and tell you that you are my favorite and I know that I'm your favorite too. Oh, amen. I love you, B. Thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. And may the Lord flourish you. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord bless you. And I, I thank Matt every single day uh, for marrying you. Okay, but are you going to address the fact that I'm your favorite daughter? Oh, without a doubt. But that's just between your, you and I and your seven listeners. And the shade continues. That's a good way to end. Daddy, I love you. Thank you for being an amazing dad. All right. Thank you. Okay, fam, so you've met my crazy, insane family. If you resonate or you feel like you're on the same level of crazy, guess what? You have a seat at our table. I know that Father's Day might be hard for some of you, but let me remind you, you are not alone. You're a child of God, and by proxy, you're in my crazy family. But more importantly, you have a heavenly father who is with you at all times. He's made you just the way that you are, and he delights in you. He wants you to know that he's proud of you, and he's proud of who you've become. In the words of my dad, I love you so much. I'd give you my left nut. Friends, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, I'm encouraging you to share it with some of your friends, your family, your loved ones, your friends, and your frenemies. You can go ahead and tag me at Bianca Oltoff on social media and spread the good news. Hey, we all know somebody out there who's struggling with this holiday, and I hope that this podcast reminds them that they are not alone in the journey. I love you. I can't wait to connect with you for season three, which begins in July.